Moving from how to who, next on Abounding Grace. How is not the right question to ask. I meet a lot of people, and maybe you do too, a lot of born-again believers with the power of God in them that spend most of their life asking how. And that may even be when you come up after the service today for prayer. You came to church today with a how question. That's what God has gotten your attention with. How will I get through this pastor? How will I be able to overcome this pastor? How do I deal with this pastor? How? But it's the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is not how, but who. This is amazing grace. God made a new covenant because God's people couldn't keep the old. Yet many in the New Testament church have an Old Testament relationship with the Lord. But the old has become obsolete, as we'll learn today on Abounding Grace. We continue today in Hebrews where we're learning about the new and better covenant. It's better because it liberates us from a works-based relationship to a faith-based relationship. Setting us free from endlessly trying to do in order to please God to simply, by faith, receive what has been done. From Hebrews chapter 8, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Hebrews chapter 8 and Romans chapter 8, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Freedom in the New Covenant. Freedom in the New Covenant. In Romans, or excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, speaking of Jesus, it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, Inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Paul's writing to a group of Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, that are being tempted to go backwards to the ceremonies and the rituals and the religious system of Judaism. They have come to faith in Jesus Christ. They have been born again. They have seen the fulfillment of everything that they waited for. They were looking forward to the coming of Messiah. Every time they would read the scriptures, it would say, Jesus or Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. They have embraced Jesus as their Savior, and yet the temptations to leave the simplicity of the gospel are ever before them. So much so that Paul would take his quill in hand and write them a letter to say, look, don't go backwards. You have the better covenant. Actually, you have the best covenant. Live in the new covenant, not the oldness of the law. Now come back to Romans chapter 8, because in Romans chapter 8, we find the encouragement of Paul to the Roman believers now about the grace of God. But as you know, Romans chapter 8 comes after Romans chapter 7. And Romans chapter 7 You could call the confessions of an exhausted believer. An exhausted believer. As Paul the Apostle looks back on his life, talking about his own past situation, the wrestlings and the strugglings, the battle that he fought was the law. The law made him exhausted because he found that the law could not make him perfect. 
You see, we learned last time that the law is holy, just, and good. There's nothing wrong with the law. Remember, we want to be careful when we use the word better that we don't then associate, well, you know, then the law is worse. That's not the language of the New Testament. The law is good, holy, and just, and serves a purpose. The problem with the law, the problem with the law then, and any kind of legalistic attitude today is simply this. It has no power to change you. The law, a list, if I gave you today in your bulletin five things to be the best Christian you could possibly be, you could follow them, you could strive to follow them, but that piece of paper, that list has no power to change you. All it does is remind you of your shortcomings and your failures. I mean, why would a list of five things be necessary if you already did the five things? So every time you look at the list, you're like, well, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, I need to be this, and that's the weight and the pressure of the law. Romans chapter 7, that's where Paul is. He's exhausted. It is difficult. He is bound by the rules and the regulations and religion. He even would communicate to us that he was married to the law. That he loved the law so much that he seemed like there was no escape. There was no way out of it. And yet, in the freedom of the law, he starts looking back at his life. Notice with me in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7. Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And you guys might want to mark verse 18 if you haven't already, because you need to not only acknowledge this, but believe it, where he says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And you know, not many people say amen to that, but you should. And you should realize that there's nothing good in my flesh. There's nothing good in my resources and in my mind when I am thinking on my own, when I'm trying to figure it out. There's nothing good in my flesh. Nothing. Zero. There's nothing good. Now remember, flesh isn't just referring to the flesh and bones. That's normally how we would use that phrase, flesh and bones. Spiritually and in context here, the flesh is referring to your old sinful habits. It's referring to your actions apart from being led and empowered by the Spirit of God. And he says, in my flesh, in what I have to offer God, and who I am, there's nothing good. There's nothing good that comes out of my flesh. Notice verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. I delight in the law according to the inward man, but I see a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. And notice his conclusion. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is writing here, in the new covenant. He's writing here as a born-again believer. And yet even as we walk in the freedom of the new covenant, the freedom, you know, we might use the word grace to describe the new covenant. Even as we walk by the grace of God, we struggle. 
Anybody say an amen to that? Amen. Do you struggle? Yes. Ha have you sinned today? Yes. <laughs> no, Ed, so far it's so good. <laughs> Praise God. It's coming. The weakness of our flesh. I mean, think about the struggle. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I'm living life and I love God. I serve him with my life. He's everything to me. I've dedicated everything in my life to God. And yet the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And I'm frustrated because I'm looking for a way out. I'm looking for a way not to live in the struggle. I'm looking, as a matter of fact, in the battle, Paul says, what a wretched man that I am. I'm exhausted. And I'm tired. It's a frustrating thing to live under a set of rules and regulations. To, to, to live under um, the obligation of following every single point in the law. Because you're only going to end in failure. I mean, if there were a hundred things listed out, and you were so happy that you got to 95, you still got five more. And now the pressure mounts and the difficulties arise and you find yourself underneath the law. It doesn't free you. It doesn't, the law doesn't liberate you. It oppresses and it holds down. Many people think that that's where the place of safety is found, but the place of safety is found in the new covenant. I mean, just reading through chapter 7 can make us exhausted as we begin to think about our own life. You think about what happened this week, this last week. You know, this last week, let's take it away from just today and say, hey, sometime this last week, you remember or you acknowledge that you sinned. Anybody sinned this last week? Okay, let me just put it this way. If you sinned last week, say, hey. Hey. Now, so everybody knows. It's a little bit quiet over here, so this is the good section. Let me, <laughs> I woke you guys up, those of you that were sleeping. I think we all can say, hey, man, that's my life. I, I look at that day and it wasn't a good day for me. I was discouraged. I was beat up. Or as we'll see in a moment, that also some of you live under this cloud of condemnation because your ever before you is the failure of your own life and choices and decisions. It's always before us. And we ask the question, why am I doing this? Why did I do that? I'm trying. I'm trying, Lord. I, I just don't know how to make it happen. And I don't like what's coming out of my life. I don't like what's coming out of my mouth. I don't like the thoughts that are in my head. I don't like them, Lord. And I don't understand what's happening. And you finally come to that place. What a wretched woman. What a wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me? Who's going to deliver me? Can I ask you to circle that word who in verse 24? Circle that word who. Because this is a key ingredient in walking in freedom. Because when we get to a place of frustration, maybe in your marriage right now, you're sitting together, but you're really mad at each other. And you're really frustrated. Or you're, you're a single person today, and you're just really frustrated, maybe even with God. Or you've just gone through a breakup, and you're like, you know, I don't like being single, and I, I don't like this one. And, and I just don't, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to reconcile my marriage? How am I going to deal with my single? How am I going to make things right? And the question so many times is How? But I want you to notice that when you get to the place of the end of yourself, how is not the right question to ask. I meet a lot of people, and maybe you do too, a lot of born-again believers with the power of God in them that spend most of their life asking how. I, that may even be when you come up after the service today for prayer. 
You came to church today with a how question. That's what God has gotten your attention with. How will I get through this pastor? How will I be able to overcome this pastor? How do I deal with this pastor? How? But it's the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is not how, but who? Listen, how, how puts the emphasis upon you. You're told something, you do something. But who places the emphasis properly upon God who empowers you, that leads you into victory and leads you into spiritual success? It's not how, it's who. It's a subtle difference in our lives. Of course, there's going to be actions to be taken. There's going to be obedience to come. But that's not the emphasis. That comes secondary to, man, I'm in love with Jesus. You know, you get to the place, pastor, tell me what? Brother, show me. Church, tell me, what Bible study should I listen to? What book should I read? But the real issue isn't how, but who. It's a person that delivers you. And that's where people get it wrong. When they think of Christianity, almost immediately they think of Christianity as a religion. And that's probably a frustrating place with you as you're sharing with people about maybe an invitation to church or you want to give them a Bible or you want to pray for them. And they may say to you, you know, I'm not into religion. I'm not into religion. I don't want that religious stuff. Well, you can answer, you know what? That's something that we agree on. I'm not into religion either. Because Christianity is not a religion. It's not a set of precepts. It's not 10 steps to a great life on earth. Christianity is not a religion Christianity is a person. Christianity is a person indwelling every surrendered person. Every surrendered man, woman, and child that's been born again. Christianity centers on Jesus Christ and his empowerment. So when you think of religion, you ask how. When you think of a person, you ask who. Your deliverance is found in a person. Your deliverance is found in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. That on the cross, he has already delivered you and me. And as long as you live your life seeking after the how, you will live in spiritual exhaustion. First of all, it's exhausting trying to find the answer. It's just exhausting. Because the more you wrestle and the more, you, the more people you talk to, the more answers you get. The more people that you talk to, the more people that you're seeking out, the more opinions and attitudes. And it's just exhausting to try to keep up with them. Then it's as exhausting as you start taking people's advice. But then you only find out, well, I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried this and it didn't work. And I tried, and now you're on this never-ending treadmill of trying. I'm trying. And let me just validate that in your life right now. The fact that you're trying. There's nothing wrong with an attitude of wanting to live a right life. There's nothing wrong with you saying, but Ed, you, you know, I'm really wanting victory. And I'm trying. And I want to commend you in that area because there's other people that aren't trying at all. And they've just given up. But I also want to remind you of a very important principle, and that is trying is not doing And you can become friends so much with trying. You can become friends with the search. You can become friends with the sin. You can become friends with the the expedition to find the how that trying becomes a convenient excuse for simply not obeying and not doing what's right in front of you. 
even to the point some of the things in this room today are so hard and so difficult that words can't describe what you're feeling and what you're going through. Even if you spent 45 minutes explaining how hard it is, it still wouldn't convey the depth of your heart. And yet, you only make things harder through disobedience, through becoming friends or what is often referred to as idolatry with something or someone other than God. And your sin or your struggle or the identity has become in your struggle and not in the victory, not in the who. Notice it was very quickly that Paul answered the question in verse 25. He says, well, in verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So here's the thing. God recognizes the struggle and God recognizes the difficulty in our lives. And he tells us that we are delivered by his power and that he doesn't condemn us. So that when we choose to condemn ourselves, we are actually resisting the very work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's exhausting trying to find the answer. It's exhausting trying different things that you think are the answer. It's exhausting when you continue to fail. Because that's what the law will do. That's all it will tell you. Every single time you come to one, you know, you, you, you say there's five things on the, on the list that you're dealing with. You know, number one, I'm good. Number two, I'm good. Number three, I'm a failure. Number four, I'm okay. Number five, I haven't even got to yet. But I'm sure when I get to number five, I'll be a failure. You know, all, that's all the law tells us. You have failed. You have failed. That's the purpose of the law. But you and I were never intended to live by the law, but rather to come to the end of ourselves so we live according to grace. So he says, I thank God. Who's going to deliver me? Who is the who? God through Jesus Christ. It's not a church. It's not another Bible study. It's not someone's book. Those are all great tools to get our eyes back on the deliverer. Because there's no condemnation now for those that are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse two, the law of the spirit of life. This is Romans eight. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And verse three is so key. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Let's pause there for a second. What is it that the law could not do? It could not make you righteous. That's what the law couldn't do. You'll see that in a moment. But what the law, what the law couldn't do, it couldn't empower you. It couldn't make you perfect. As a matter of fact, the law did just the opposite. It showed you your failure. And so what the law couldn't do, mark this, God did. What the law didn't do and couldn't do, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The righteous requirement of the law was what? Perfection. That's the righteous requirement of the law. God requires perfection. And yet the law couldn't make you perfect. It can't make you perfect ever. The law has no power in and of itself. It's a reflection of the holy and 
the holy and righteous character of God. The law itself, we've learned, is holy, just, and good. But what it couldn't do, God did. We're going through Hebrews one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. Well, Pastor Ed, it's likely someone listening right now can identify with what you're talking about. They've been trying to fix what's broken as a broken person, and they're left frustrated and exhausted. Any final thoughts about that? And would you pray for that person as we close? Yes, Larry. Let me say my final thoughts on this is simply this. Admit that you're a broken person. It's time to repent. You and I are unable to fix ourselves. I think of where I came from addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, an angry man, uh, living life in rebellion against God, hurting everyone around me. I was and still am incapable of fixing anything in my flesh. Of course, back then it wasn't my flesh, it was my life. But if anything ever comes back in my life, I, I don't have the strength to fight against the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and the two are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. And the key is to repent, to admit that you're broken. And by the way, God is attracted to brokenness. He's attracted to weakness. I know our world doesn't value that, but that place of surrender and repentance and a deepening desire of obedience that all comes through an abiding relationship, drawing it's like it's it's like a power cord. I I have a uh, a new charger for my phone that I got recently, and it is absolutely worthless unless it's plugged into the power source. It, it just isn't able to function the way it was intended unless I plug it into power, and that's the same for you. And so I don't want you to beat yourself up either over the fact that you haven't been successful. You won't be successful. You need to plug in to the power source of the Holy Spirit. You need to surrender finally and go, you know what, on my own, I can do nothing but plugged in. And that plugging in is an illustration. You know, you just picture yourself plugging something into the wall. Once you tap into that power source, you're then able to use whatever it is, a lamp, a charger, a computer, the way it was intended, because it's drawing its power somewhere else. And that's what you need to remember. You're going to draw your power from the Holy Spirit. God is with you. He wants your victory. He provided your victory. And you can. I've been sober 30 years. I have uh, loved my wife now for 30 years plus. I have walked in the Spirit. I'm not a perfect man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, He is with me. He's strengthened me, and I'm no different than you. And you think, well, you know, you're a pastor. No, 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 no. I, I do have the role of a pastor, but I'm a man. I'm a man that needs God daily, it needs to admit my weakness, to confess my sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I pray for that man, that woman, even that young man, that young woman who is frustrated and exhausted right now. May you refresh them and strengthen them and bring them to a place of utter dependence so that they might live in such a way 
that, that they would depend upon you, hold fast to you, and plug in to the very power source that they've been lacking and draw their power and their strength from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. See if this sounds familiar. You come across an atheist or non-believer that has some questions about Christianity or the Bible. It's about that time you scratch your head in confusion and don't know what to say. Well, allow Ron Rhodes to help in a book called Five-Minute Apologetics for Today. The book is short, giving you one-page answers to common questions and objections. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as a way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, our number, 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported. And each dollar that's sent is an investment in God's work and responsibly used. You'll be helping people all across the nation grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Hebrews. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.